0: Hey everybody, Adam Rank here. Before we get to the coach's show, allow me to talk to you a little bit about FanDuel.com. If you're like me, your fantasy season is over, or so you thought. FanDuel.com is the leader in one week fantasy football leagues. Matt Nichols from Ohio turned
1: a $25 deposit into over 25 dollars playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Join him and the hundreds and thousands of other users
0: who have already won money. This is a pretty cool idea. FanDuel is giving you a bonus of up to $200 on your first deposit. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code COACHES. Don't forget, use the code COACHES. Don't miss out on all the fantasy football you can handle. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot C-O-M. Sign up today. This is NFL.com's Coaches Show podcast.
1: Forty men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody grabbing out there. Nobody taught them, and now we're going. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam.
0: Next, for joining us on the Coaches Show, I'm Brian Billick. This is Steve Mariucci, and it's getting fun now, Coach. Let's uh, let's get into yesterday was was interesting to say the very least but let's talk about coming out of it because obviously there were a lot of some upset wins and some things we can maybe talk about but let's going into the last week of the season let's talk about who we think right now is the best team in in the playoffs the best team in the nfc let's start with that
1: well i don't know how you can talk about that brian without talking about the champs because yeah. the champs looked like they're for real again i wasn't i wasn't so sure early in the season when they were Three and three, or whatever they were, and they were, and they had, you know, lost some guys in the off season, had a couple injuries, and I'm going, hmm, boy, it's hard to keep a Super Bowl team together. Well, all of a sudden, now in the last month and a half or so, this defense is better than it was last year. If you can imagine that, and Russell Wilson is a champion, huh? I mean, this guy, you know, here's here's some defense, and they don't blitz very often, but when they bring it, they bring the heat, man. (laughs) And then, of course. Richard Sherman, you know, they they ought to do a movie on Richard Sherman called the Sherman 28 because there were 28 DBs drafted before that guy. And is he the best in the business or what?
0: Well, and I agree with you. Seattle is the team to beat, particularly in Seattle. I don't think they have quite the same pass rushes last year. So I'll, I'll take exception a little bit if they're good as last year. And Sherman now, he got beat a couple times the other night. Now, he obviously rebounded. and But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to bet against the Seattle Seahawks because they're healthy, they're looking good, uh, they're confident. Um, but I'll say this, if there's a team that has proven and, and the Dallas Cowboys are going to play the Washington Redskins and I think they're going to win, they're going to be the first team in the 16-game format to win eight on the road. Uh, that's substantial. And let's remember, the Dallas Cowboys went into Seattle and beat Seattle. Now, this this is a different Seattle team, I'll give you that, when they were 6-4, and four, so they are a better Seattle team, I, I absolutely. But if anybody has that formula that can beat Seattle on the road, the running game, and boy, did it go just right for Dallas in terms of playing DeMarco Murray just enough, to, to impact the game. The best thing about it to me now is DeMarco Murray knows what it feels like to play with that hand now. So whether it's next week or the playoffs, and then and and their defense, it, we know that it's not a great defense, but it's a better defense. Romo's not having to force the ball because of all the things going on. You know, let's, let's, let's head-to-head. Uh, head. Dallas, I'm not sure Dallas can't go in there and do it again.
1: Well, yeah, they've done it once, and I'm sure they have confidence enough to go back and do it again because they are – I think both of these teams are better than they were back then. And that's one thing about good coaching is they peak at the right time. And I think both of these teams are peaking at the right times with great quarterbacks. And I, I didn't get a chance to talk much about Russell Wilson earlier, Brian, when we when we were just doing this. But this kid yeah. is uh he's amazing to me because he's my size and I can't see over that line. I know that. But he's he's a better passer from the pocket than he should be. Um, they do a nice job of moving him around. Here's this 82-yard touchdown to Wilson last night. Uh, you know, but they're going to run enough keeps just to keep those contained rushers honest. Look at this. And watch him fake this guy out. He looks back. Yeah, oh, this, this is, he, he's got he an uncanny got- ability to do that. Can you i I had to watch that i was i d I TV it and I had to watch it about five times. I said he kind of stopped and looked back just to make the guy hesitate. Are you kidding me? This guy has got so much savvy as a quarterback, and, and he protects himself. he's so smart he'll get out of bounds or he'll slide when he should. I never worry about this kid getting hurt, and then he's got his he's got his buddy there, beast mode, who didn't start the game because he was feeling a little sick, and you know what he did, Brian? He ate some skittles, and, it, and the skittles made him feel better. And that guy went beast mode mode because did you, that that long run of what seventy Yeah, 70 when that yards.
0: happens doesn't that just and, suck the heart out of a team? It's look like, at this,
1: look at this. This is like the one you know in in Seattle a few years ago when he became beast mode when they thought there was an earthquake going on when that stadium went, erupted. He was just looking for guys to run over. And, and that watch was, what he does. That was run actually on back.
0: A, a more athletic run, really, when it comes down to it. may not have been as powerful a run. But look at, look at the athleticism like, Most it guys would have
1: went out of bounds right yeah, there. Yeah, and
0: but... the balance, and the, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I agree with you on Russell Wilson. Let me say this about Russell Wilson, too. And I know it's not going to happen because, you know, the athletic quarterback and whether it's Kaepernick and they want to talk about Johnny Menzel and uh, uh, New, you know, or, uh, Cam Newton and yeah. what they can do outside the pocket and all that kind of stuff. It's never going to happen, or it's not going to happen at least. But I'm not sure that if you just sit, lined up and said, okay, Russell, you're not leaving the pocket. You're going to throw 500 times from the pocket. that he wouldn't be just as good. I think he can be that pocket quarterback as well, because that's always the thing we're saying. Okay, are you a, an athlete? Or are you a runner that can play quarterback? Or are you a quarterback that's now? I think he's a quarterback that also is the athlete and does the other things, but uh, I think he can do yeah. it from
1: the pocket. Well, you're probably right, I think, because there'll be a time where he has a sore wheel. You know, Let's say he has a knee or an ankle, and he just isn't as mobile for a while, and they're going to ask him to stay in the comfort of your own living room, that pocket, and he's good enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and you know what? And I, no disrespect with those wide receivers. They're really playing But well, they're pedestrian. They're, they're not, that's not an overwhelming – You give him a Randy Moss oh or somebody like gosh. you had with Chris Carter, you know, all those, wow. those loaded guys that you had. You give him a, a big receiver or two, oh my geez, he's going to be a good one. We'll he, talk he about is. a guy
0: that's got a pretty, couple of pretty good receivers, and if he is having, very few quarterbacks have been beaten up the way Tony Romo was. And Tony Romo just passed Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman, for total passing yards in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. We we talk about Aaron Rodgers and we talk about J.J. Watt. Should Tony Romo be in the conversation about MVP?
1: Yeah, you know what I uh, I think so. And you know, we talk about all these collapses late in the year and one playoff game win in the last whatever decade and a half and all this criticism on Tony Romo. But you know what? Right now, his record in the NFC is as good as anybody's as far as eleven wins his passer rating is higher than Aaron Rodgers he's first his completion percentage is now first ahead of Drew Brees he's getting it done like crazy oh yeah he had two back surgeries and he's playing with a couple of broken facets whatever those are and you know what yeah let's talk about that kid with the MVP possibilities because i don't know if there's a well there's you know a lot of these quarterbacks right. are so important to their team but Tony Romo the way he's doing it banged up uh, new you know new play caller the whole thing DeMarco Murray's probably probably in that conversation in the top 10 anyway but yeah Tony Romo is really getting it done he deserves yeah MVP you,
0: you talk yeah. about and we talked about the criticism that he got I'm not sure I think we're seeing it now with Drew Brees I think Drew Brees' problem is he knows the defense is terrible he's having to take chances and shots that he wouldn't normally because I gotta I gotta make up the difference here yep I think Tony Romo was a victim of that for a long time. It's look, we're not very good on defense. We're not this. I got to take a shot. I got to make something happen. That's my job as the as the quarterback. This year, because they're better on defense, because they got a great offensive line, because DeMarco Murray's running so well, he's dialed it back to say, okay, you know, I, I don't. We're better enough that I don't have to take those chances. I can be that type of quarterback because the system around me or the people around me allow me to do that. And he's flourished with it. That's all you can ask of a quarterback.
1: Yeah, but you know what, too, Brian, and you're right on that. But this guy named Scott Linehan, who yep. came in as a play caller—that's that's his title. He's a passing game. They got coordinator. a lot of He's, titles
0: over there, don't they, in up I
1: know. He was slinging it in Detroit like like nobody's business, and then he comes and he settles this Dallas offense down into being balanced a lot of a lot of credit goes on him yeah. too because he's saying hey we are going to run the ball and be balanced and not let tony feel he's got to make a play on every you know, on every down and keep him healthy and all of that so i think they have the right recipe right now even with demarco murray Hurton, i think they're going to you know he had 22 carries last week so uh there's a lot of credit to go around over in dallas
0: Let's move on to, to, to clearly it has to be the biggest game this weekend because it's for a division title. You win and you're in the playoffs. You lose and you're gone. Is the Carolina <laughs> Panthers going to the Atlanta Falcons? Who would have thought? And did any of us really think Atlanta had any chance of beating New Orleans in New Orleans?
1: Nope. Yeah. Nope. And I, and I, I mean, we could talk New Orleans all day too because right. I don't know what in the world happened down there to lose five games in the Superdome. How do you do that? After and, being that, and,
0: that being where a place where it was absolutely a given, you couldn't win. You couldn't beat New Orleans in the Superdome.
1: You couldn't. And so, you know what? But what happens over there with Mike Smith's team, you know, you, you got to figure out how you're going to spend your money. Well, they have a lot of money spent on offense. And that guy over there from Boston College, Matt Ryan, he's really a keeper because when he has all of his weapons, when he has Julio Jones and Roddy White and Harry Douglas and all that bunch. Uh, you know, they are very explosive. So they can outscore people. Mike Nolan's got a, a defense that's got some some no names on it. He's doing the best he can trying to keep scores down. But this offense with Matt Ryan can outscore you, in, especially in that dome when it's a fast track and the crowd noise is on his side. Um, that can be a scary team at home.
0: And they're playing Carolina, who I think for the very reasons you just talked about, um, even though Carolina, and kudos to, to Ron Rivera for kind of holding that thing together. I think at the end of the day, the lack of explosiveness of the Carolina offense, even though Cam Newton can run around and make some things happen, they're not particularly explosive down the field. Um, I, I would favor at home in Atlanta, because they're awful good at home, that Atlanta is going to get it done against Carolina. And I'll go one step further. Hmm. They could, and they'll be seven and nine. I'm talking about uh, Atlanta now. Excuse me, not mm-hmm. Arizona, but Atlanta. Uh, yeah, and we all know. Okay, seven and nine team should they even be in the playoffs and whatever? Well, we remember New Orleans team going into Seattle on yep. a seven and nine Seattle team and and Seattle winning? I can see Atlanta winning that first, particularly if it's a team like Arizona, who we know offensively yeah. is really challenged <clears throat> now. And that you're right, <laughs> right about Mike Nolan. I'm biased because Mike Nolan's with me in Baltimore, and he that no, that defense is just. Coy Behrman is the best player they have. Can Coy Beerman play on any other defense in the league? Would he start on the other? I don't think I so. Don't so he's doing it know. with smoke and mirrors, but against the Atlanta or the Arizona squad that obviously is going to struggle no matter who's at quarterback. They can't run the ball. And now as good as that Arizona defense is, Matt Ryan, the ability to push the ball down the field, we may see the Atlanta Falcons win the division at seven and nine, have a home game in the playoffs and win that first playoff game
1: i know it because that's it's possible if if the arizona cardinals come to town because yeah. i feel so badly for bruce aarons you know he's i guess he's going to start logan thomas this game won't make which a difference would be his, i know it which would be his fourth different starting quarterback and when you start doing that you know yeah. you forget about it and so um and, and then, of course, that affects your defense, too. Their defense didn't even play as well as it normally did last night against Seattle. They gave up almost 600 yards. So I think I, I agree with you. If Atlanta does win it, and I'm going to pick them to win that game against the Panthers. And if they have the Cardinals at home, they can win that game. But they might end up hosting the Lions or the Packers. If that's the case, forget about it. And... um So there's so many good scenarios that still have to be played
0: out here. Green Bay, I would agree with you. The Lions, I'm not so sure. I still have to see the Lions go on the road in the playoffs. Just getting in the playoffs, obviously, is a unique spot for them. And, yeah, they should. They should. With a good defense and Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate and all that, Reggie Bush looked really good. How about now, Joyke Bellin? So I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but we can do that because we're in the media now and we do that all the time. Uh, and and if I'm wrong, the next day I'll just I'll just change your say, mind. I'll just change my mind. Uh, but but here, so I'm saying Atlanta could even beat them. But Detroit could be a team you got to watch out for now because now if they balance a little bit of that run and and Reggie Bush out of the backfield, Joyke Bell on the physical downs, defense is playing good. It's it's exciting either way. Let's move on uh, the team that just got eliminated from the playoffs because now all the discussion. As good as we thought Philadelphia was, and this is going to be a great team, and all that Chip Kelly's done, and I think he's done a good job. Um, what, what do we think of the Philadelphia Eagles? What do we think of the Chip Kelly design? What do we, where are we with that right now? Where are you on that? Because okay. I've got some very specific
1: opinions. You do? Um, first of all, I really enjoyed watching them in Oregon. You know, wide open, fast paced, throw the ball, beat SC, beat everybody in the Pac-12 like nothing. And and uh, and then it, that style, it's uh, yeah, college is a copycat league too. So everybody's running that spread offense in high school and college, and it's wide open. Nobody plays defense anymore. All right, so he brings that that style to the National Football League. Really, uh, to me, it was an experiment. It was like, let's see if this guy can, this system can hold up in the NFL. Well. First year, I think it did. I really think it did. It, it took the league by storm. Uh, Nick Foles had more success than anybody would have thought. 27 I mean,
0: touchdowns a, and one interception. Are you kidding me? Crazy year.
1: And so, you know, and, and he won games, and it was all like, Andy Reid who? You know what I mean? It was like, like a, you know, it was like, and Andy Reid's my buddy, and he had a lot of success and won that division several times. But here's this new style, new approach to practice and everything else. You know that, right? Well... Warren Sapp says, he says a lot of things, but one of the things Warren Sapp says is the, the, the fastest adapting organism in the world <laughs> is NFL yep. defense. Yep. I don't know if he made that up or if he heard it from Marinelli but or it's, whatever it's his now it's his. So, so, and what he means by that, cause what, what Sapp says, you always have to explain what he means. Um, you know, they make adjustments and you learn how to cope and adapt and stop that offense and and so I think over the second year, you know in the off season a lot of these defensive coordinators went to college coaches and says, I know you guys play against this six, seven times a year. What is your what kind of game plan do you have? what are your thoughts? And so I think Uh, that that style of offense is not as surprising anymore to anybody it's still it's it's still dynamic and explosive and productive but I don't think it's as much of a shocker anymore to anybody I think defenses are catching up to a little bit.
0: and I think we're seeing my biggest problem with it and I've been saying and I don't mean to be derogatory about it but I think it's it might kind of be the run and shoot of the 2000s meaning it's very good (coughs) between the 20s they're terrible in the red zone. They can't transition into at some point you got to be mono a be big and physical, and get at the ball in the, in the, in the end zone. Also, the biggest concern I have, because you're right, he changes a style of coaching and a style of practicing, and it's all well and good. Their defense is not very good. And I con- I would be concerned and be interested to see how we go forward. That's all great, high pace, and the way you practice is really unique. Does the defensive guys feel the same way? Are you getting what you need practice-wise, preparation-wise, with that style, a lot of plays, up-tempo, a lot of walk-through, a lot of this, that, and the other. We practice all week long. Are you getting the physicality or getting what you need on the defense? Now, they'll say so because they work for Chip Kelly. I I have questions about that, about whether you can – whether that is as equally true for the defensive side of the ball. And we both know, particularly in today's game, Where we got a lot of good deep, we probably got more good defenses this year than we've had going into the playoffs in a long time. Because you're talking about obviously Arizona, Detroit's really good, Um, uh, Seattle is unbelievable going in there, Um, and so I, yeah, I think I think there are some questions here, and we'll see. Uh, Part of it has to be, you know, one of the things people are always talking about here again, coaching decisions, and a little surprised that Chip Kelly said, "Well, we didn't even consider about letting them score. Didn't we weren't even prepared for that." Now, I don't agree. Everybody's saying, well, they should have let him score. And everybody's saying that would have been the good coaching move. Well, first I'll say, yeah, and that's all well and good. But has that ever worked? Ever? To your knowledge, letting a team score? Because of all the things that got to transpire, I don't know if that – do you take the chance? We see a lot of missed field goals, blocked field goals, blocked PATs. We see a lot more of that. And I I don't know that not letting them score wasn't the right decision because I want to see where that one time works.
1: Well, okay, so – I, you know, we're second guessing. But when I was watching the game, when I was watching the game, and knowing that the Washington was going to just tick that block, that that clock down to kick a field goal, with a, it's a minute and a half left, and Philly had all their timeouts left, I think, didn't they? And and I'm and I'm saying, let them go, let them go, let them go, let them go in there, because you want to get your offense back on the field to tie it. All right. And I saw RG3 turn around to Alfred Morris a couple times, and I've, I'm sure, I'll call him up and ask him, but I'm sure he was saying, if they let you score, fall down. Exactly you
0: know? right. you got to give them credit for knowing, okay, okay. we're not going to let you then but, do that to us. Hey,
1: hey, I did. it happened to me one time. Remember Mike Holmgren in the Super Bowl? Right, I mean, right. it, it's so seldom that this even presents right. itself. Right. But, Brian, how about this? I was coaching the Niners at Superdome in New Orleans and they scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown, and and uh, went ahead of us with I don't know a minute left to go, and but they had a penalty on the play, and and I'm looking at it and I'm going, Well will see, geez, if if we decli- if we take this penalty and back them up, they're just gonna they're just gonna run the clock out here and kick a field goal. We're not gonna get the ball back. So I declined the penalty. The guys were looking at me, what? And 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 they were saying, you just gave them the lead. And I said, this is the only way we can get the ball back to score with our offense. Now, did it work? No, they stopped us. But we had the ball back with Jeff Garcia, and we were going down the field, you know, in a position to at least tie it or win it. And so that's the only time it ever came up in my 29 years of coaching. But I, I, I thought it should have been considered a, yeah. anyway. Because, and the fact, How, how often do you block a field right. goal? They're,
0: they're, they're getting after him a little bit simply because he didn't concede that we even thought about that. I don't think not doing it I'm not sure blocking a field goal isn't a higher percentage than thinking that that you're gonna now orchestrate all the things in terms of a kickoff return positioning drive it down the length of the field even though they are a spread out and high profile offense um, but by the same token um, the ability to block a a block a field goal if you're talking about probability and odds you probably have a better chance at that than orchestrating all the other things we talked about so it may be an unfair criticism going forward or not i i don't know but everybody yeah, wants it's to just talk something about it.
1: to talk about really yeah, sure. it's, he's done a heck of a job there, he let's face it and, and in fairness to
0: chip kelly you know, people say, well, he came in here, you know, I'm going to revolutionize the NFL. He never said that. Chip just came in and coached. We talking heads are the ones that say, oh, this is going to be different and it's going to – a college game is going to take over the NFL game. And, and uh, no, it's it's not going to happen. Let's uh, – they want us to talk a little bit. Of, we obviously – Odell Beckham's having an unbelievable year, <laughs> the greatest catch, I will agree, maybe I have ever seen. But they they wanted – the, 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 the uh, g- gurus that uh, tell us what to talk about here want us to argue about – odell beckham versus randy moss is the greatest rookie receiver ever you have odell
1: beckham go so you have moss you have moss and i have odell beckham
0: because of the two i get to be right
1: because he was on your team and he's a lot taller darn and faster
0: right. darn right. okay
1: but you know what okay so let's just this is like this is like m&m this is like let's argue about Yeah, this. let's do it so odell beckham first of all that was a great catch with three fingers, um, you got to remember this kid missed four games, Brian. Right? He missed the first four games. He had a hamstring, but I, I'm in, I'm so impressed with his athletic confidence. It's crazy. And this look at him spinning. He's got a little. He's got. I don't know where he got that dance from, but everybody in the league is impersonating that dance. How do you beat a safety? Like I remember Randy Moss doing that all the time on Cover Two. He would just work those safeties like a fiddle. But you know, uh, Odell Beckham, and then to me. Randy Moss had a little help because that guy, that uh, that Chris Carter, you know, all he does is score touchdowns. Remember that? He there. You had a couple of bookends. You had more than just those two guys. Well, Jake Reed, but, we had Glover Reed, tied sure. in.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Robert Smith, Robert running Smith, back.
1: Yeah. yeah, you were loaded, and that's why you had set a record for points in a season. Great play but, calling. Uh, Great! They overcame some, some play call, some suspect play calling, <laughs> and so, so. But this, but you know, Victor Cruz is gone. So I don't know who else. I mean, you know, there's other guys there. But if you're going to try to take somebody away, you try to take this guy away. But look at that—he plays like he's big. He's not a big guy. He's my size, but he plays big and he's quick and he can go up and make a play. This is against Richard Sherman, right here. So I, I yeah. Then they start doing. You know what I'm noticing? everybody's starting to catch the ball with one hand sure, in warmups sure. and on the field just to try to see if they can outdo it. I wouldn't even let my guys catch with one hand no. in practice. Chris Carter was develop, doing that
0: 20 years ago.
1: You develop bad habits. So, but he is pretty, he is pretty exciting to watch play. I think he's here to stay. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's pretty good, you know, and, and, you know, it's <laughs> kind of a, it's a Sophie's
0: <laughs> choice. Cause you got to love this guy. Randy Moss, I will tell you that, and I've t- probably told a story before in May here on the Coach's Show podcast, but just in case there are some people that don't listen to this on a regular basis. I remember very, we're we're in the draft and we're getting ready to take uh, – we're the, like 21st, 22nd pick. And the, before the draft starts, Denny Green comes to me and says, we're going to get Randy Moss. And I'm thinking, Denny, you're, you're smoking dope or something, man. You went fishing. This so morning. so what pick did, did you have? We're 21 or 22. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, Dallas is going to take them. They're at 8, 9, or 10, somewhere in there. And, and he's not going to get past Dallas, I'm sure. I'm thinking, okay, Denny, right, you, you. even though Denny's the best personnel coach, in my opinion, of any coach in the history of this game. Denny yeah. Green is brilliant in terms of recognizing talent and whatever. So the draft is going, and all of a sudden no one takes him, no one takes He gets by Dallas. And then I look at the, the, the gap between what's next and us. I'm thinking, son of a gun, we're going to get Randy Moss. Well, we get to the, what was the 21st, 22nd pick, and we get Randy Moss. So now I'm fired up. Because I just got a whole lot smarter because we got Randy Moss. Because you could see the <laughs> film the way it was, so I'm all fired up. Well, he he immediately goes down to Chris Carter's. Chris Carter had these camps that he had run for receivers down in Fort Lauderdale, and and this is about a, uh, three weeks later. And I'm fired up, and I'm just I'm just scribbling on pads and making up stuff how I'm going to get the ball to Randy Moss. Chris calls his coach. He says, "I've been with Randy now for two weeks." He says, "You have no idea how good this guy is." I said, "Randy, I know Chris. God, I saw the film, and boy, you need to check out this game." And whatever. he goes, "Brian, no, no." You have no idea how good this guy is. So Chris was just amazed at the really? sheer physicality of this guy and, yeah. and unbelievable in terms of what he's able to do. Yeah, we had a really good team, but I saw him do things up in Green Bay. I yeah. remember this very, very literally. You talk about overcoming bad play calling. We're on a Monday night, and we send Randy down deep, and he overleaps a guy for a touchdown. This thing, you know, the rivalry Minnesota and Green Bay. Yep. So Denny comes over and he goes, run that again. I said, Denny, they're going to start doubling. They're going to roll coverage that way. I think he says, do it again. All right. We send him down. There's two guys on Randy Moss. He goes up over him for a touchdown. And I'm like every coach, I'm overthinking it. Well, there's no way they're not going to triple or whatever. He, Denny says, hey, let's go to him again. Okay. we There's three guys on Randy <laughs> Moss. He goes up through all three. <laughs> it, it, he was the most spectacular receiver ever. Uh, talent i've ever seen odell beckham is really good and he's probably going to continue to be good and this guy's unbelievable for my money and i know jerry rice is the greatest receiver in the history of this game and maybe the best player i think randy moss may be the the greatest talent hmm. this league has ever seen
1: okay that's good stuff i'm just so who do you tell ta- uh, i'll
0: pin you in a corner so just, you got to take one of the other
1: stats you got to take oh, one of the other I'm taking Randy Moss, yeah, but, you okay. know, uh, so, but uh, but you know what? Beckham's got 101 yards a game. Randy Moss, 82. Way to slow him down. The only yeah, guy that I slowed did. him down was Brian Billick. You're right. Okay, so, yeah. and then uh, receiving yards per game or receptions per game. Seven for Beckham. Yeah, four point three. Yeah, but he but has more opportunities. A small sample size. I know yeah, yeah, it. Is. Yeah. it's just he's just having a heck of a rookie year. We love the kid, and he's a good kid. I met him at the combine and all that good stuff. He's got a little spunk, and, uh, and we just love watching these great talents and do their thing. You know, so wait till Victor Cruz comes back for those. Oh, uh, huge, giants. huge. Well, let's yeah. we
0: got to finish off with this because I think we're contractually bound by the league and the Are NFL we? Network to talk about Johnny Manziel. If you can't go through a show or a segment. Uh, on this <laughs> network that we're not allowed to talk about Johnny Manziel. So
1: I don't want to get guy, isn't he? He's I don't want to yeah,
0: get fired so so uh, uh, did you see my tweet last week?
1: Did you um, hear about I that? Don't know. It's what? awesome.
0: It's awesome. What? I, I'm I'm an arrogant son of a gun but, some, are, but I, I, I wrote an article on Johnny Manziel on Wednesday and I didn't rip him I just said I thought I had a guy like him Troy Smith. You know, so Heisman trophy winner, but we took him in the 5th round. I don't argue, I don't have a problem with Johnny Manziel, and can he develop, but not with a Mike argument is I like he shouldn't have been a first round draft choice. So I'm I, you know on the Twitter sphere people are going after me some guy in Cleveland's going, "Why should we listen to a coach who's not even in the game anymore?" And we <laughs> tweeted out a picture of my, my the Super Bowl ring on my hand
1: and oh, the ta- and the what?
0: tagline was, "Oh, I don't know." It was oh, awesome. Geez. It blew up.
1: Oh jeez. Just you know, what you did. Who would
0: have known I could be that subtle? But let me let me ask this. Spin for me just a little bit going forward. I think Cleveland's in a heck of a bind here. What does Pettin do? I mean, now you uh, you got to stick with this. Now they Basically, at the end of the day, I think they made the mistake not starting him to begin the year. Find out about this guy. Because now they've got to go into it next year, in year two, and they still don't know about Johnny Menzel. What do you do yeah, with I Johnny Menzel?
1: I don't know if he's going to be available for the next game with a hammy. Um, Or if he plays, how effective he could possibly be because a guy his size has to move around, right? So they are in a bind. They got to decide what to do with Brian Hoyer. He's a hometown kid. Maybe uh, maybe that works on their side. But I don't. You know, I'm not going to consider Johnny Manziel a bust. It's too it's too soon to tell after a game and a half. Um, It's he's an intriguing guy, but he has. He hasn't done anything yet, let's face so it. So you're Mike Pettin.
0: How do you go? What, what's your plan I don't in know. the offseason? I don't
1: know what I would do with him. <laughs> they, they got it. It's not my problem, all right? So he's got a – fuck.:'s got my a,
0: pay grade.
1: Hey, we go to Brian Hoyer. Hey, Brian, could you, could you sign with us just in case – Uh, Johnny Manziel doesn't turn out, but I really am obligated to see if he can be our starter because we did draft him, number 22. And Brian, will pay you a lot of money, a lot of incentives to stay because if you end up to be the starter, then you can make... Some starter kind of money, um, and and you know there's a chance that he's not going to make it, so maybe they can coerce him into signing a contract and staying home. If they lose Hoyer, let's say he goes back to back up Tom Brady or something, all right? And they just all they have is Johnny Manziel. With that small sample size and injury, with there's risk involved of him not making it, they better. God forbid draft another quarterback I don't think so they need a veteran guy right whether it's Hoyer or somebody else
0: I'm going to finish on this because they always want us to personalize this stuff with our stories I had Mike Pettin on my staff I had Rex Ryan on my staff and and they were constantly at me because we were so good defensive why can't we get the offensive thing fixed out how come we can't why 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 can't we do that why can't you do that why can't we get a quarterback okay Rex Mike now you know it's not that easy, and and I hope it turns out well, but I think they're in a heck of a dilemma. We'll talk about it a lot more, um, possibly even next week. This has been The Coach's Show. Make sure to come back and join us next week where we'll talk all things NFL.